Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving weekend? What is it that uh, you're giving thanks for at this time of year? Uh, Certainly, maybe you've thought about that, maybe around the dinner table, uh, you've talked about it, or maybe it's just something that you've struggled with a little bit here in these trying times, in these times of great uncertainty, in these times where uh, it's hard to turn on the news without uh, getting stressed out, or it's hard to uh, look around without wondering all the signs of the times, what it all means. And uh, in times like these, really in all times, but certainly in trying times, and certainly around the holidays for that matter, we should look to God's Word and look and see what promises we can bank on in God's Word as Christians, as saved Christians. And for the unsaved uh, person that would has been thinking about coming to Christ, maybe uh, has been convicted to come to the Lord, what a great time to learn about uh, what it is that God promises those that believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, what it is, what his great promises are. And uh, for the saved, we can look at these promises and see uh, something to be thankful about. Specifically, today I want to talk to you about two uh, ideas that we can be thankful about as Christians. One, being forgiven, and secondly, being set free. And they, of course, uh, intertwine there a bit. But that's a very happy thought, isn't it? We are forgiven and we are set free from sin. No matter what we have to endure in this life, We are free, because of Jesus Christ, from the most serious crime we could ever commit, and that would be to be found guilty as a sinner in front of a holy God, and that would result in us facing hell in the grave. We, as believers in Christ, are free from this. We are forgiven and given peace from our past, in times present, uh, in times past, and of course, in the future. We are blessed by God, even when we're reprimanded by him, as we are God's chosen people, the elect, the one he has called to himself through salvation, through accepting Jesus as Savior. You want something to be thankful about on this strange, odd, crazy Thanksgiving weekend full of restrictions and many people going through stress and strife? This is something to be thankful about, that we are forgiven and set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, look, we're talking about the blood. This should lower your blood pressure. This should give you that exhale. Glory to God. I'm saved. I'm set free and I'm forgiven. These are the kind of things as Christians I believe the Lord would have us to think about in these last days to have us not just to think about, but to bank on. You know, do we say we have faith in God and yet we don't believe God's going to come through. Do we have? Do we say, you know, at Sunday morning, oh, uh, you know, uh, bless God, hallelujah, this is great, we love you, Lord. And then Sunday night or Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Tuesday night, we, we, we say to ourselves, what are we going to do? Well, what's going on? Do we panic? No, we must look to God and be consistent in understanding that his word is true, that he cannot lie, that he's perfect and he's totally holy and there are, there's no emergency meeting in heaven Uh, Right now, God is fully on the throne. His plan is being fully enacted. And we, uh, those that have been saved, are part of his plan. Uh, And uh, Romans 8.28 tells us that it's all for our good and that we will, in fact, be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever in heaven. And here on earth, we can bank on these promises of being 
set free and forgiven. Uh, So what is this saying to those that believe on Christ? It's saying that this is a gift of God. Let me read you a verse, John 3, 16, very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone, that this free gift from God results in our eternal security. Amen. We don't believe you can lose your salvation. How can you say uh, that you don't believe in eternal security when the verse says everlasting life? There are no conditions tied to this other than whosoever believe believes in him or believeth in him. And who's him? That's Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when we believe on Jesus, we realize that we have eternal security, that we are saved forever. Amen. Nobody is too bad uh, that they cannot be saved. And no one is too holy or pious or perfect that they don't need to be saved. We all must be saved. And then once we're saved, we now are a child of God. We're, we've now been born again, okay? That's irreversible. You don't lose that. You know, you mess up, you have a bad day, uh, you know, you sin, you fall short. Do you think you're going to lose your salvation? No, 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 no. You have been forgiven and set free, amen? I'm here to kind of just pep you up and pat you on the back and let you know Jesus loves you. He wants a close relationship with you. And as we meditate on these ideas of being forgiven and and set free uh, from sin, as we meditate on these ideas, it's going to draw us closer to God. Just like anytime we get into his word and really study it and chew the cud, as they say, and really get into it, it's going to bring us closer to God. And that's what I want to do here today. I want you to get closer to God. Amen. I want to be closer to God. And as we draw closer to him, we're going to have more peace, more understanding. Uh, We're going to walk that straight and narrow path. Amen. We're going to not grieve the Holy Spirit. We're going to have true joy. Goodness gracious, the world has no idea what true joy is. They think joy is out there rebelling against God and, and having that pleasure and sin for a season. That's not joy. That's rebellion. That's disgusting to God. That's sin. And that will be punished uh, very greatly. And for us, we have true joy and peace. We, we're brought by the still waters. We're protected. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. I could go on and on, but for time's sake, let me get to the specifics here. We are forgiven past, present, and future. We are forgiven past, present, and future. We as saved Christians by Jesus Christ dying on the sin, uh, dying on the cross for our sins. Hebrews ten seventeen, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Understand when we are right with God, we have fullness of forgiveness. Could God remember? Uh, He's perfect. He's all-knowing, right? The Bible says he's omniscient. Of course, he knows everything, right? Uh, So does he actually forget our sins literally? No, he chooses not to remember them. Uh, He chooses not to. He forgives us and says, I'm not going to bring this up again. I've I've given you uh, clear pass on this. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. Uh, There's no uh, remission for uh, sin without the shedding of blood. He shed his blood on the cross for you. You accept Jesus as Savior. You know what the Bible word is for this? That means that we are justified by faith when we believe on Jesus Christ. We are justified. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you don't pick up anything else today, pick this thing up. Pick this one one idea up right here, right now. Therefore, being justified by faith, okay? And that we know that that faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's God in the flesh, dying on the cross for our sins, taking our place. We have peace 
with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what that means is we have peace with God. Look, there was a time that man didn't have peace with God, and that was because they were under the Old Testament law, the Mosaic laws. You read the Old Testament, there was a whole lot of problems there, and there was a lot of going astray. Um, in my Bible study right now, I'm studying the minor prophets. I'm studying uh, Book of Hosea and Joel and these other books there, and you're seeing uh, how disappointed uh, the Lord is and how hurt the Lord is and how angry the Lord is with Israel, with Judah, with his chosen people for going astray, for being spiritual adulterers, for going afar off. And they never could uphold the law. And then when Jesus comes, he dies on the cross for us, the Gentiles, the, the, the uh, body, the church body. Now we're forgiven from sin. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're no longer under the law. Amen. So that is why the cross is so important here. Jesus specifically did this to justify those that would believe on him. Forgiveness of the past, now, and in the future. There are no asterisks or special laws we have to follow. You know, the Bible says the veil is rent in two. Remember the veil covered the Holy of Holies and you couldn't access it and so forth. We're now encouraged to go boldly through to the throne, to go boldly to our Lord because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We are made whole by Jesus' finished work when we believe on him. So I just want to point out, if you don't accept Jesus as Savior, if you're not obedient to that call, because clearly in John 3.16, it says, whosoever believeth in him. It doesn't say whosoever gets tapped on the shoulder or whosoever joined a church or whosoever Googled what it means to believe in God. No, no, no. You are accepting that free gift of salvation and you're believing on Jesus. And that's a, that's a heart thing. That's a soul thing. That's a spirit thing. There's a lot going on there. You're not just uh, saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Now let me go back to my sinful habits. No, because if you truly said, I believe in Jesus and you meant it, then those sins would be convicting you. And you'd say, I don't want to hurt the one that died for me. Amen. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live afar off from God. I want to know this God. See how God works. He's testing us to say, see who is faithful and who will truly accept Jesus in their hearts as Savior. And then who does? Once we do that, and once we've truly done that, then the Lord's saying, don't get backslid. Don't get afar off. Don't let the devil beat you up with all these things that happened in your past and say you can't get right with God. Get right with him. Repent. Stay close to God. Repent every single day, every single morning. Ask God for forgiveness. Turn to him. Amen. What does it all mean to be forgiven? I'm going to give you an example here. Imagine this. You were a child of a criminal. And in the country you were living, as that criminal passed away, they were older, that charge was imputed to you, okay? So now that charge is on you. And in order to satisfy that criminal charge that you inherited from your ancestors, the judge uh, would ask you to pay a large sum that you could never pay, never earn it, never save it, you couldn't pay it. So you were doomed to face this punishment. And this penalty was a cruel death. And you had no case or reason to halt the verdict. You knew under the law that you were doomed. You had inherited this crime. You were guilty of that crime because it came down through the family line there. That You didn't have any way to pay it, any resources to possibly pay this debt. And so you, you were doomed. There, there was no way you could do it. But then the judge himself came and said, I'll go and die for you. And I then will pay that death through my, pay that debt through my death. And there will be no more debt. There will be no more consequences for you or punishment whatsoever for the debt you've owed since it will be paid in full by my death. That's the judge's death. And that judge will be making atonement or reparation for you. Now, imagine beyond that, the judge says, look, I, I don't know if you know this, but beyond a judge, I'm also a king. 
and I'm going to make you heir to my kingdom. I'm going to give you riches, a mansion, uh, even power to rule in the kingdom. And the judge said, all you have to do is accept this free gift I'm going to give you and believe that me as this judge is the person that will do this for you. Or in Christ's sake, he has done it for us. This is what we're made in Christ when we believe on him. This is amazing. We're made new. We're set free. And it's all by his finished work. He did it. We didn't do anything. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says. Without God, we, we have no righteousness, okay? He is perfect. He is righteous. We are none of that. And so when we try to get into heaven by our good deeds, or we try to say that, that, we, you know, that we don't need to be forgiven, we never did anything wrong, all of this is very sinful. It's an offense to God because, as I point out in this example, that judge, that righteous judge says, I'll take the place. See, sin entered with Adam, uh, sin entered with the, with the first Adam, and then it, uh, through death, right, uh, Adam died. And then we have the last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. And that, that eliminated sin, uh, the law, all these things from being imputed on us when we accept Christ as Savior. That's what's so amazing about this. Amen. We're made new and set free by what Jesus did on the cross. He did it. We are so blessed. We are literally saved. And what are we set free from? We're set free from bondage of sin, uh, death, the grave, and hell. We're set free from all of these things by what Jesus did on the cross. We are forgiven. Amen. doesn't give us a license to sin uh, at all. In fact, it gives us so much more motivation to live for the one that sacrificed of himself so greatly, that agape love, that charitable love, you know, what was uh, the judge to gain? What was Christ to gain by dying on the cross for us while we were yet still sinners? Uh, He was just to gain um, those that would accept him, to gain his people, to gain his church, to gain the body. Uh, That was it. He did it for us. Amen. He thought of you. He thought of me on the cross. I believe he would do it again, but he doesn't have to do it again because he did it one time. He died on the cross one time for, for humanity, past, present, and future. And all that accept him, all that accept Jesus as Savior, they're saved forever. They're with Christ. They've been forgiven of their sins. We get to the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. He'll be judging us. The same Christ will be judging us. We'll be able to say, we believe on you. We plead our case by believing on you, Jesus. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. What are we set free from? We're set free from sin, death, hell. How? From Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us and us accepting that free gift of salvation. Romans 6, 7 says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Well, dead from what? We're dead from sin. For he that is dead, for those that are dead from sin. Well, who died first? That's Jesus. And then what we're called to do is to die in the flesh as we accept Christ as Savior and Lord. See, think about it this way. A lost person lives for what? Lives for who? A lost person lives for material wealth and status and for who they're living for the God of this world, the little G God of this world. That's the devil. That's what we know. Uh, The devil's the little G God of this world. And this is a disobedience to God. This is a great disobedience to God. And it results in sin and bondage thereof. So when we live for this world, the material things of this world, we live for self or the flesh, right? 
we are just yoked up in the bondage of sin, and we can't get out of it. If you think of the most uh, sinful things in the world today, uh, it may not be murder. Uh, it may not be, um, you know, stabbing someone in the back or committing great crimes. You know, it may just be coveting. You know, it may, it may just be having idols that you're putting before God over and over again in your life. It may just be calling yourself Christian and then living just like the world and not being separate, set apart, not uh, crucifying the flesh, not picking up your cross. It's disobedience to God. A saved person that's right for God, what are they doing? They're trying to please the Lord following his commands, right? The Bible says clearly in the New Testament there that if you love me, you'll follow my commands. If you love me, you'll do what I command. And, you know, there's, of course, the Ten Commandments, which we need to follow, learn, teach our children, etc. And then beyond that, uh, you know, if you look up, do some research on uh, what are Jesus' commands throughout the Bible, there's many, many commands that, that he offers or insinuates or gives parables about, and we should be living all those commands, commands about uh, not speaking evil, uh, commands about loving our neighbor, commands about being charitable, commands about taking care of the neediest, or the, the, those uh, that have the, the, the least resources, uh, those that are suffering. Uh, there's so many commands. And so as a saved person, we're doing those things. And by doing those things, we're in direct opposition to the way the world lives. See, this is obedience to God, and it results in being free from the bondage of sin. We don't need to live in that yucky, nasty, disgusting, bitter, bitter sin world. We can live in victory, living for Jesus, living in Christ, living for him with uh, giving of ourselves and of the resources God blessed us with. And do you notice that when you do those things, do you notice the peace that comes along with it? Do you notice the sense of satisfaction that comes along with it? Do you notice that just otherworldly idea of like, wow, you know what? This is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm called to do. I'm now living for God. That's what God expects of us. Amen. And these two ideas of living in sin and living in bondage of sin and living for the Lord are diametrically opposed to each other. Uh, they, 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 a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. If we're bearing fruit for the Lord, we are not involved in sin. And we can't be. We are free from the labor and heartache of living in a world that will never satisfy, run by who? The author of confusion that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you look at the world today, the people that seem to be getting ahead the most are the ones uh, that are stealing and uh, trying to destroy others and getting a leg up and all of these things. And then you read God's word, you read that that's absolutely forgiven or forbidden in God's word and that it will be judged one day. Uh, look at John 8, 31 through uh, 36. Then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him. So this is Jesus speaking to the saved. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So let's just stop there for a minute. You know, Jesus is speaking to the saved Jews of his time, saying, if you truly follow me and you live by me, if you continue in my word, okay, that would be continuing to live in action, walking action, not just believing, but understanding and doing God, Jesus' word, God's word, his commands, 
Then he said, uh, verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What's Jesus speaking that you're free from? That's got to be sin. And the Jews said, well, we're Abraham's seed. We haven't been in any bondage to any man. How, you, how you're saying we'll be made free. And Jesus answered, verily, verily, that's emphasizing this is important. I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That's the same idea of being bondage in sin. He's speaking to the saved people now. So that's why we know we could be in bondage of sin, even though we've been forgiven and set free from it. Verse 35, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth for, forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So here we're seeing that Jesus shows his preeminence, his authority. And he's saying, look, if I'm going to make you free, you really will be free. And he's saying to be free, you cannot live in sin. And here he says again, verse 34, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin, not so, not whosoever sees the sin happen or whosoever talks about sin, the one that's committing it is the servant of it. So we know that as Christians, we can encounter this and we can be in bondage of sin. That's the idea of that backslid Christian that is saved and clearly has been saved, has given their heart to Christ. As I started the message with today, they are eternally secure. They will go to heaven, but they will not have the rewards they would have had in heaven uh, had they lived for the Lord, and they will not have the peace they would have had here on earth if they had lived for the Lord. And I'll go as far as to say the blessings that God would have given them uh, and protection and all and on and on and on. When we live for the Lord, life isn't perfect, but it, hey, it is so much better than living out there in the world where we're being chastened by him and the world's tossing us and turning us and we can't please anybody. Uh, so is anyone that's unsaved not in bondage to sin? No, because all, all are that way by default, right? Uh, anyone that's unsaved, if they haven't accepted Jesus as Savior, they are living in sin. They have not been saved. They have not been set free. They have not been forgiven. They are serving uh, the, the God of this world, the devil, the father of lies, as Jesus calls him. Romans 1, 21 through 27, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So here people are acting uh, in rebellion to God. And it, it says here clearly in Romans 121, because that when they knew God, didn't say they didn't know God, uh, you know, everybody knows there's a God, it's just many deny that. But because, because when they knew God, they glorified him not, neither were they thankful. So they were rebellious. They didn't want to glorify him. They wanted to be their own masters. They became vain in their imaginations. They started cooking up ideas, uh, ideas like evolution and uh, homosexuality and transgenderism, all those kind of ideas. Their foolish heart, the word fool in the Bible is a very serious word. Their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Is that not true today? If you look at the people uh, on these uh, intellectual high areas, whether it's in the media or whether it's in academia or wherever, that many profess themselves to be very wise and they are acting very foolish according to God's word and will be judged for their actions. And it goes on, it changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible. So they start creating idols uh, after man and after birds and beasts and creeping things. And God basically here in verse 24, what does he do? 
It says, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So 25 tells us, look, God just, or 24 tells us God just gave them up to their, to their lusts said, okay, you guys want to be sinful and be in bondage to sin. Here you go. Let's see how it works out. And then they continue to worship the creature more than the creator. That's the idea. Like you see all these dumb award shows and everyone's giving each other awards and lifting man up and celebrities and, you know, naming streets after people and buildings and all this. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. As Solomon says uh, there in God's word at 26 for this cause, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that, which is against nature. How can you read Romans 1 26 for this cause? God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use that in uh, into that, which is against nature. How can you read that and not know that that's referring to homosexuality? Verse 27, and likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman. So men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. And then just to clarify, Paul writes in, in Romans 1, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. Again, homosexuality. We see clearly this is a sin. This is New Testament Bible clearly showing that homosexuality is an affront to God. It's a sin. We see here in Romans 1, 21 through 27, we see the progression of what's happening here. And you see that that man has given, they know that there's God and they've given themselves over to other men. They've given themselves over to these vain imaginations. They've rejected God. They've created false idols. They're sinning. God says, fine, I'm going to go ahead and let you do that. See how it works out. Cause we know the wages of sin is death. And now they get into vile things like going against their own nature. So this is sin bondage personified. This is what it's like to live sinfully and save people. Yes, they can still be in bondage to sin, those that sin willingly. Uh, But we see in verse 36 of John 8, that if the Son, Jesus, makes us free, we are free indeed. We don't need to be held in this bondage of sin. We don't need to be exposed to the hurt uh, by the devil in this world. We can be free under God's protection at the same time. You know, God is the great protector. Uh, Don't take my word for it. In Scripture, he's referred to as the buckler, the shield, the high tower, uh, the mighty, uh, strong hand, uh, the right hand of protection, uh, the, the bird, uh, kind of getting the birds under the great wings. I mean, God is a strong, almighty God. The things that he can do are beyond explanation, beyond understanding. Look at all the stars. Look at all the fish in the sea. Look at all the sand uh, at the beach. Look at... Um, how a watermelon seed turns into a watermelon. Take your pick, okay? Look at human life. Tell me how my baby, born a week or two, knows how to move her hands in the water and knows how to hold daddy's hand when she's at the doctor. Tell me how that's possible without a God. Our God is so knowledgeable and so wise and so unbelievable, and we are made to worship him, amen? We are made to be yoked up with him. For time's sake, I got to go on to uh, my third point here. Embrace this and tell everyone you know. We are made free by Christ, And we must restrain our fleshly lusts so we can live 
fully in Christ. We are made new. We are washed by the blood. We are peculiar people set apart, heirs to the throne. We don't need to be in this bondage of sin. We understand that we've been forgiven. We've been set free. We understand what that sin cycle is like. Again, going back to the minor prophets I've been reading, talking about the canker worm and the palmer worm and all this idea of this generational sin and the sin curse and you know how it can fall from line to line. Amen. It's got to be broken only through repentance, only through you and I and, and our country and people coming to God and saying, Lord, we're sorry. We agree. Sin is awful. We don't want to commit it. And then having that courage to pray to God saying, or humility, I should say, to say, let me get my pride and ego out of the way. And let me ask you, God, use the Holy Spirit to show me where sin is in my life. Use the Holy Spirit to convict me of what I'm sinning. And then help me get rid of that sin. Abolish it. I don't want to ever see it again. I don't want to ever do it again. I, I dislike it as you dislike it, Lord. So embrace this idea. Tell everyone you know through your words. Testify what God's done in your life. Use phrases like, if God allowed, God blessed, Lord willing, if the Lord wills, give God all the glory and make him the master. Don't be ashamed of Christ. In your actions, you know, if you couldn't speak and someone logged your day, they wrote down everything you did uh, for an entire day, what would that log say about your life? Would those actions reflect a Christian walk, a close walk with the Lord? And through your charity, through your giving, uh, through your love of others, uh, through, again, kind of like your actions, but the way that uh, we use what God's given us, are we showing people that we've been forgiven and set free? Amen. Because we don't need the things that the world needs. We don't need all the materialism. We don't need all the junk. We don't need all the status. All we need is Jesus Christ, our Lord, to be guided by him, to just be in love with him, to live for him and with him until he calls us home. Amen. That should get you excited. That should just free you from so much burden pushing you down to know Jesus is on the throne, to know Jesus is coming to call his church home, and to know that we can be free of that sin, of that bondage. We have been forgiven past, present, and future, and we've been set free. So let's take advantage of it today. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.